Okay, welcome back to the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. My name is Will Doctor, and we welcome back co-host James Ledbetter after a uh, successful shoulder surgery and led. Uh, you're back just in time for the third event of the PGA Tour season at the Shriners Children Open at TPC Summerlin in Vegas. How you feeling, buddy? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. Excited to be back. It's, you know, overuse, you know, so many picks, I guess I my shoulder, uh, you know, eventually kind of blew out. So uh, just kind of recovering from that right now, able to type with one hand, still able to make those picks. So uh, should be good. Um, yeah, exciting week. Finally, kind of a, uh, a tournament we've heard of, you know, uh, the Shriners, Shriners Open here. Uh, the last couple of weeks have been exciting, um, but uh, ready to roll in Vegas. I'm excited. Yeah, and, and, you know, before we get kind of into the favorites here, as I look down my slate of tickets that I'm going to share, I think the common theme for me this week um, is past results at TPC Summerlin. Uh, players that have, you know, a little more than usual as far as something to prove, such as Patrick Reed. And then, you know, really one who puts extremely well on these bank grass greens. So this tournament has yielded some of the lowest scores on tour out of any event during the season. So it's very important to my slate um, that I pick guys who can back up good, good ball striking um, with great putting. Yeah, and getting into the golf course this week, we're playing TPC Summerlin. It's a par 71, just over 7,200 yards. It is a desert course, and like you talked about, really fast, bent, tricky greens, and uh, Bermuda, everything else. And one of the things we've seen is you really have to place your golf ball here. So accurate drivers have done well here in the past. It kind of compares a little bit to TPC Scottsdale, where if you get far enough off, you're going to be kind of be playing out of the desert. But not really too much water is a concern this week. And yeah, like we talked about, the defending champion is Martin Laird, where he shot a score of 23 under par. And he's really well known as one of the most accurate drivers on tour. Not very long. Looking at, you know, a lot of times we're looking at courses where a, a bomber can pick up a lot of strokes uh, off the tee. But this is like we talked about a little bit more of a placement golf course. So even if you're a, you know, a guy like Brooks Kepka or, you know, some of these longer hitters, if you're hitting three iron off the tee where other guys are hitting three wood or three wood, whether guys are hitting driver, it's really about, you know, where you're putting your, your ball on the fairway. So um, looking at the last, you know, this is one of the easier golf courses of the last five years, 20 under par or better has one, except for one year where Patrick Cantlay won at nine under par, which was a bit of an outlier. So we are looking at a shootout this week. So and those, those last couple of winners do include guys like Bryson. That was Bryson pre-bulk up, so he wasn't really one of the longer players on tour, kind of an average hitter. Kevin Na twice. Uh, he's won here in the past. Uh, definitely, obviously, one of the shorter tour, uh, hitters out there. And then uh, shout-out Smiley Kaufman. He won in here in 2015. So, uh, as we know, we can definitely get some long-shot winners. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And um... – so let's just let's jump into into favorites right here, and we'll start off uh, with Victor Hovland at eighteen to one. Uh, you know, Victor did go 3 and two in the Ryder Cup. However, in his own right, and in my opinion, uh, he was the Rookie of the Year for Team Europe. His record won't show it, uh, but had it not been for Patrick Harrington sticking him uh, with the worst players on the team, um, it would have been a more successful week. So. 
this is Victor Hovland's debut at Shriners and, and based off, uh, you know, his Ryder Cup performance and a T5 finish at the Tour Championship. He comes into this season with some good recent play um, under his belt. Um, however, the putting really took a toll in the last events uh, of the of the previous season. Uh, Hovland lost an average of two strokes to the field on the greens in his last five events. Um, and the surface that he puts the worst on is bent grass, which is the greens they are on this week at TPC Summerlin. So um, I'm staying away from Hovland tickets this week unless something appealing comes up in the head-to-heads. And I personally, I think we're getting scammed um, with Hovland at 18-1 to 1 to win. Yeah, I don't see Victor Hovland, especially in this field, as an outright favorite at 18 to 1. You know, maybe if he was in that 25 to 1 kind of range, he might he might uh, take a look. He did play good at Ryder Cups. It's almost one of those things where you can go 4 and 1 and just, you know, get some people on off days and kind of get lucky. He was kind of one of those guys that played really well and his record didn't really indicate it. But yeah, I just have an issue with that number at 18 to 1. But moving into our next guy. Abraham answer at 20 to one first event of the season for Abraham. Uh, he's, he has three top tens in his last four starts highlighted by a win at the WGC in Memphis. So that he, he finally got his monkey off his back there um, getting in the winner's circle. He had kind of been uh, knocking on the door all year, but you know, this is another guy where I don't really love the number. I think uh, a lot of the sports books are like, okay, you got the monkey off the back. Now he's a guy who can contend in these events. And I just don't really see him that way. Uh, you know, just looking at his stats in his last 50 rounds, he is ninth off the tee, ninth off, ninth approach and eighth putting relative to the field. And he does have some good uh, results here in the past. You know, as far as last year, even he, he finished fourth place at 20 under par where he hit 80% of the greens and 80% of the fairways. I think Vegas is overreacting a little bit. Um, putting him at 20 to one, just based off of uh, kind of last year's result and his, his recent good play. One crazy style is looking back when I was looking at his results. Well, what do you think of this? Uh, I think he has the world record for um, last year. You know how they had the U S open in that like weird spot where it was like in uh, September or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. COVID schedule. So yeah, COVID schedule. Abraham answer shot 21 over at Wingfoot for that was his four round total. And then the next event, he shot 20 under at Vegas. So a 41-shot differential between wow. uh, tournaments. I think, you know, obviously get off track here, but that's got to be a record for the biggest turnaround. 41 shots over, uh, over uh, you know, from event to event. But getting back to it, I don't really like him this week at the number. He feels more like a 25-to-1 guy, especially with the depth of the field. I can get studs like Brooks Kepka and Webb Simpson to stay at the same number, so I'm staying away from Abe this week. Um, to win. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, man. I, I'm, I'm, I'm staying away from his ticket as well. Um, on to Sam Burns at 20 to one. Uh, well, you know, how about Sam Burns last week? Unfortunately, I did not have a ticket on him, uh, but what a win at, at Sanderson Farms Championship. Um, he was, you know, obviously fired up about being left off the Ryder Cup team and, um, you know, turned it right around with that victory last week in Jackson. Um, and I'm not sure who's playing the best coming into this event, Sam Burns or Scotty Scheffler. Uh, but Burns, you know, you know, he, he's gained strokes on the field in every single category. Um, and, and last week was, you know, I, I think what a lot of people think is the start of a huge year. But it's incredibly tough, um, especially as a young player, to follow up a win um, 
and that's just, you know, that's based off the average tour player, which he still is, in my opinion. Um, you know, I, I was gonna, I was gonna take a look at Burns top 10 at plus 220, but, um, it, it's going to be kind of hard to squeeze him into my, into my lineup this week. Yeah. Well to have him, I mean, 20 to one to have him win, he would re- realistically, you know, like we talked about this golf course is going to be a shootout. He'd have to go 40, 40 under, under over a two week span for him to even compete this week, let yeah. alone win the event. And we talked about that with, you know, Rom, when Rom finishes tied second, the week before when he shoots, you know, 21 under 22 under, and then has another shootout the next week. It's really hard just from a variance standpoint of think about how many putts and, you know, 20 yeah. footers, 15 footers you have to make to contend at, in a, at a shootout golf course for you to back that putting week up the next week is a really hard thing to do. And kind of just comparing that to um, these low score tournaments, you know, obviously require a little bit of luck with the putter. It's not like a U.S. Open where you can just ball strike the heck out of it, have your 32 putts and, you know, lift the trophy. You know, it'd be one thing if this was Sam Burns, you know, he won last year at a really tough golf course in Innisbrook, and we're heading to another tough course where, you know, I'd like his odds to potentially maybe repeat just based on the fact that he's hitting the ball so well or something like that. But last week, it's like you shoot 68 and get lapped going from a course like that to another course like we have this week where it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be really hard to back that up in back-to-back weeks. And even, even tougher to like between the years, as far as travel goes. Um, and, and like I said, just being a young player that doesn't have the most experience, um, you know, with, with a, with a pretty heavy hitting schedule. Um, I, I think it's even tougher between the years to go follow up a win. And guys, guys don't really go back to back that often unless yeah. they're like tigers. you know what I mean? Like the <laughs> yeah. tigers are like, the ones you can really think of of recent, it was like when JT won the Hawaii swing and stuff like that. But realistically, it doesn't happen very often. So them wanting it at 20 to one, no thank you for Sam Burns. So moving into our next guy, Brooks Kepka at 20 to one. And there there has been a lot of Brooks slander uh, this week. Uh, people think he's going he's going there to gamble and booze. And, uh, you know, Jenna just signed him up for this event and he didn't really want to play. But, uh, you know, I think Brooks is there and he, to me, he should be the favorite and he's not. So I love him at 20 to one. Um, just in terms of, you know, obviously a place playing in Vegas might be a place that has a lot of distractions compared to other tour stops, but I like Brooks playing in Las Vegas over a place like Mississippi, just for the fact that, you know, you can play this round of golf and then go blow off some steam somewhere. And then, uh, you know, doesn't, you know, he talked about how he gets bored at, you know, golf is boring and the Ryder Cup is boring. And so I think him playing in a place like Vegas with the fans will be out there. I think it's a great place for Brooks to play well. Um, Vegas will bring out Vegas will bring out the, the best in Brooks. Certainly. And the one thing you might, you know, a little bit worried about would be the fact that it's his first official start since withdrawing from the tour championship uh, with the wrist injury after hitting off that route. But, Will, as you remember in the Ryder Cup when uh, Brooks and Daniel Berger were kind of having a meltdown with the rules official over that, like, super thick lie that he should have got a free drop from. And, you know, he just grabbed six iron and ripped it on, you know, borderline onto the green. So and then went on the next day to beat Bern Weisberger uh, in Sunday singles. So no issues really trusting the wrist, didn't have any, uh, you know, wincing because. Those wrist injuries, as we know, with uh, a lot of guys on tour and, you know, a lot of LPJ tour uh, players and stuff can be kind of a lingering thing. But the fact that, 
you know, he was able to get his rest and get back to the Ryder cup and have no issues with it is a, uh, you know, is a nice thing. Um, going back to it, I think the number is just, I do like the number at 20 to one. Realistically, I'd honestly bet him at somewhere from 15 to one, 16 to one. I've even seen him 25 to one in some places. So I do really like uh, Brooks this week in his last uh, five starts here. He has a second place and a fourth place finish. So he's obviously contended. And, you know, just looking at his last 50 rounds, he's third off the tee and 14th approach. So Brooks Kepka 20 to one. Absolutely love it. If you just compare him to the other favorites in terms of, you know, obviously multi-time tour winner, major champion, his pedigree is far and above a lot of these other guys in the field. The fact that he's at the same odds as guys like Sam Burns, Anser, and Hovland, even worse odds, in fact, is honestly disrespectful to Brooks. So I love Brooks at 20 to 1. And next up to uh, Louis Oosthuizen at 20 uh, to 1. Uh, and, you know, 38-year-old Louis coming off an incredible year. Uh, with eight top 10 finishes and 21 events played uh, that that's just supreme consistency, but I, I'm going to be a little careful with Louie this week. Um, you know, I, he came to this event for the first time last year and finished 19th. Um, I'm just, I'm hesitant. Some of his off the tee and putting stats seem to falter near the end of last year. And I'm not, I'm not feeling Louie this week. The top 20 ticket is minus 140. Uh, which I feel is a bit overpriced. It's going to be a head-to-head matchup um, or pass for me on Louie this week. Yep, and I have nothing on Louie either. I just don't really love him at 20-1. to 1. I think- Yeah, I, I, I got to get a feel, you know, when these old guys have these kind and, and not that 38's old, but, you know, when they have these just, like, career seasons, like, I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical about how they're going to follow it up. Yeah, he's been chilling in Ocala the last, you know, couple weeks and stuff, so uh... – you know, Vegas might be a little bit change of change of scenery there. So let's hope you can adjust, but let's move into our next guy. Um, Webb Simpson, 20 to one, I guess one thing about Webb, he is the, you know, family man on tour. I'm sure he's, you know, in line for the uh, Payne Stewart award at some point down the road. Uh, as you know, he's the PGA tour family man. Uh, but, you know, just getting into Webb, he hasn't recorded a top five since the Wyndham championship in 2020, which seems like, yes, he has had, he's been cashing a lot of checks. He does have, um, sorry, he has finished in the top 30 in five of his last six events. So he is trending in the right direction, but in terms of contending in tournaments, he hasn't really done it in a, uh, in a long time. Um, one of the things I'm worried about and that we talked about with this golf course is you have to hit fairways. You have to put the ball in position, his last start at the uh, Fortnite or the Fortnet <laughs> Championship, he hit fifty uh, percent of the fairways. So not exactly, uh, you know, driving it as accurately as he normally does. He is one of the uh, normally one of the, the more accurate guys on tour. But for Webb coming in here, yes, he does have some great starts here. He hasn't finished outside the top twenty in his last four starts at TPC Summerlin, but he at he also hasn't been able to get in the winner's circle in over, you know, 13, 14 months. So at 20 to one, another number I just don't like, and I just feel like they're giving, you know, yes, course history he has done well here, but if he doesn't get the driver on track, he doesn't really have much of a chance. Someone like Webb, one thing I looked at a lot last year was that he just doesn't fill his schedule. I just feel like he can't eat. It's tough to get anything rolling. If you're a player like Webb and you don't play that many events, I, I don't have any, I don't have a ticket on this this week, but uh, yeah, I think the one positive with Webb is you can bank on him not leaving the hotel room in Vegas, you know, 
Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe a quick uh, rooftop dinner at the Aria with, with the wife, but just, you know, you don't have to worry about any issues. It, Webb's not getting out of hand this week. Definitely not getting out of hand. On to uh, Will Zalatoris uh, at 22 to one. Um, I had a winning ticket placed on Zal last week at the Sanderson Farm Championship, and man, was it looking good uh, through two rounds after opening the tournament 70-61. However, uh, third round 72 at a course like Country Club of Jackson uh, really set him back and put him out of a position um, on Sunday. And guys, I think a very big betting thing that we can take advantage of is when guys go super low the next day into their head to heads, absolutely fade the hell out of them. <laughs> um, my, uh, my brother actually showed me that uh, it was, it was Zalatoris after he shot 61, the next round, it was Zalatoris head to head versus Nick, Nick Watney. Nick Watney was like plus two Oh five. And uh, it's just one of those things. It's uh Zalatoris went on to shoot. I think he shot like 69 or 70 the next day. It's so hard to back up. 72. Round. 72. 72 the next yeah. day. Yeah. It's so hard to back up those super low rounds. So if you can find guys that, you know, shoot a 59 or shoot a 60 or shoot a 61 and you can get them in a head to head the next day, I love fading them. <laughs> yeah. That's a great point, especially with someone like Zal, whose putter can like, you know, completely just shift within 24 hours. Uh, so listen, great point there, Led. Uh, and, and Zal Torres has had his issues with the putter is showing vast improvement on the greens. You know, the, the one issue I have with Zal at TPC Summerlin is, um, that bank grass is the worst surface, uh, that he's putted on over his career. Uh, three top 20 finishes in his last four starts. And, uh, the Zal Torres ticket that I'm going to be looking at this week is top 20. Will Zal Torres top 20 at minus 110. And I know, that is risking some money, but it, to me, it's the closest ticket to a lock when it comes to Will Zalatoris this week. Yeah, he's been so consistent over the last season, and even the lot, the first two starts of the year with uh, two top 20s there. So, you know, I do like that as well. Um, so getting into our next guy, we have Corey Connors, the smooth swinging Corey Connors at 25 to 1. He's coming off a tied 17th at the Sanderson Farms last week. He's finished 22nd or better in – in six of his last seven starts. So he's definitely trending in the right direction relative to the field. He's first off the tee and fifth approach, which is just an absolute lethal combo, which would work on the moon. <laughs> uh, Connors has skipped at this event the last two years after having a miscut and a 68th and a 68th place here in the two years prior. So, you know, a lot of these guys obviously can't play every week, you know, and if you do have a miscut and you're, and you're, you have a bad finish and the course doesn't really set up. Sometimes it's these guys, they'll just take the event off for a couple of years, you know, and then kind of get back to it with a, you know, a, a better, a better taste in their mouth. But honestly, I'm not really worried about course history here, just based on the fact that uh, Corey's stats have been unbelievable. His ball striking has been uh, like we talked about first off the tee and we have to put it in play this week and fifth approach. So he's going to have give himself a ton of birdie opportunities in a shootout. And of the favorites, I do like, um, I do like Connors, honestly, realistically 25 to one is a little deep. It's like, you know, he's the six or seven best favorite. He doesn't really seem like that guy. He's, he's, you know, one of those Canadians that, uh, you know, like a Hadwin or like a lot of these guys who jump out, uh, on Thursday and get off to those good starts and kind of fade on the weekends. But realistically, if you can find him in that, 
you know, I don't mind 25 to one. If you can get him in that 28 to one or 30 to one range, I love him a lot more, but I really do see Corey Connors having a good week this week at 25 to one. Yeah. And I, th- I think his top 20 ticket at plus 140 carries some pretty good value just based off, I mean, how well he's hitting the ball. Uh, yeah, but yeah, like, yeah. like we said, 22nd or better in six of his last seven starts. So if he keeps it rolling, that's a nice ticket. Yeah. And on to uh, Scotty Scheffler at 25 to one. Um, so, you know, along with Sam Burns, I think Scotty's a little hotter, but uh, Scotty Scheffler, arguably one of the hottest um, American golfers on tour right now. Um, you know, however, he played this. You're event. talking about the golf games, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's um, I got not. I was at a whispering pines the other weekend and uh, the head pro was like, you know, you look a lot like Scotty Scheffler. And I was like, yeah, I don't know if that's a compliment or not, but Hey, tech, uh, big, big swing in Texan. Um, I, I don't mind the comparison led, you know, me. There's, there's worse comps out there. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Better than Corey Connors. Uh, yeah. <laughs> however, you know, so Scheffler played this event uh, in 2019, 2020 um, and finished 74th and then missed the cut, you know, in, in 2020. But I, I, in my opinion, and the stats would show his game has just made incredible strides since. I mean, an unbelievable uh, year in the majors and WGCs. Um, and, and most recently, what an unbelievable clutch performance, the Ryder Cup, where he beat Rom um, in Sunday singles. Uh, the putting for Scheffler w- was a bit of a, a, a bit of a concern um, at the end of the year as he lost shots on the greens in each of his last four starts um, of the season. Uh, you know, unless you want to buy a Scheffler over Paul Casey ticket at minus 120, um, I'm, I'm not going to touch Scheffler this week as much as I believe uh, that a win on tour is coming his way soon. I don't see it happening at TPC Summerlin this week. Yeah, and just, you know, I'm going to disagree with you a little here. I do love Scotty Scheffler at 25 to 1 or wherever you can find him around that. Obviously, the one glaring thing would be the fact that he has a goose egg when it comes to career wins. Uh, It's unbelievable to, you know, you're like, how is that guy not won? Because he's just always kind of in it, especially in big tournaments, you know, whether it's WGC's at concession or, you know, the PGA or, you know, a lot of these big events. When you just think of best players on tour without wins, you know, obviously you go 1A Zalatoris and maybe 1B Scotty Scheffler just in terms of their consistency. And... I'm not really a fan of taking too much away from their Ryder cup. Like, Oh, is Ian Poulter going to, you know, play well here this week because he won his singles match and he's got a little more pride going or whatever. But I think it is a big deal to take down the number one player in the world, John Rom. And for a guy who is a little suspect with the putter, the fact that he was, you know, it seemed like he was making everything inside kind of 15 feet when he took down Rom and real, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like a win on the last hole one up. Cause you know, John Rom couldn't uh, find his ball. You know, he kind of took it to him. So um, I think a performance like that can really get someone over the hump kind of mentally. And, you know, whether that's you're taking down John Rom at the Sanderson farms or taking him down in singles of a Ryder cup. Uh, I think it's a big deal for him to do that. So I do like him this week at uh, 25 to one to win the event. Wouldn't be surprised. It's almost like sometimes you just got to be like Scotty Sheffer holding the Shriners trophy. Yeah. That's not, that, yeah. that seems right. You know what I'm saying? So um, I do see that happening realistically. And uh, I also have him in some top 10 plays just because he's just such a good all around player, but moving into our next guy, we have, 
Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki is coming off a tied sixth at the Fortinet Championship. Uh, just looking at him statistically, he's 26 off the tee and fourth approach in his last 50 rounds. The major red flag, obviously, we always bring up is the putting. Uh, he's 127th best putter in the field in his last 50 rounds. Shocking. And uh, that is uh, that's shocking. Um, another thing you're not really liking is he's never had a top 15 here uh, at this tournament. And uh, he has miscut, missed a cut a couple of times. So, you know, like we talked about, obviously in shootouts, you want good ball strikers. You realistically, you want good all around players. I don't think Hideki has the putting ability to go 22, 23, 24 under this week. So um, Hideki at 28 to one is a, is a pass for me. Sorry, Hideki. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with you. I think it's either Hideki Matsuyama plus 240 to miss the cut or pass. Um, I, 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 he is one of those guys that I talked about, you know, in the opening as far as, you know, yeah, incredible ball striker, but, you know, scores here are so low. I just, I don't see a world where he keeps up um, in this golf tournament. So uh, moving right into our head to heads, I'll start things off here uh, with Brooks Kepka over Webb Simpson at, at, um, at plus 100. Uh, and here's the deal. You know, you heard me tell you Brooks Kepka. Uh, well, no, haven't said it yet. Sorry. Brooks Kepka's track record at this event. He goes miscut fourth place, miscut second place, miscut. So what's he going to follow up, follow that up with? I mean, obviously another top five, but... a win, a win. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and yes, Brooks had, had a, had a, had a good rider cup. Uh, but I believe there's, there's a specific reason why, um, he's playing in this event this week. You know, I think a lot of these top players want, want to get some top finishes under their belt earlier in the season so they can use the middle part of the schedule to rest. And we know how much Brooks like to rest and not give a shit in the middle of the season. So, uh, you know, Webb has an incredible track record on this golf course. It's undeniable. Um, out of all the golfers here at TPC somewhere in this week, I'd say um, looking at his, the last 10 years on this golf course, he's, he's near, nearly flawless. Uh, but I see Brooks, Brooks taking him down uh, here this year, and, and we're getting that ticket at fantastic odds. So uh, first head-to-head is Brooks Kepka over Webb Simpson at plus 100. Uh, my second head-to-head is Joaquin Neiman uh, over Corey Connors at plus 100. And th- this is potentially my best bet of the week, but uh, we'll get to that a little later on. Joe, Joaquin Neiman um, has a fantastic track record around this golf course. Um, you know, 13th in 2020, I did have a miscut here in 2019, and then 10th place in 2018. So uh, this will be Joko's first event of the season. I feel like uh, we're getting such a good price on him, though, because he didn't record a top 20 finish um, in the last three events of the season. Um, he even, did play the fastest round though of the year. Yeah. In so. the tour championship, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. In the final round of the tour championship, but uh, you know, Corey Connors, he doesn't have near the success that, that Joko has here, you know, 68th place in 2017 miscut in 2018, you know, led did bring up a great point that, Hey, you take some time away uh, from the golf course, come back with a fresh mind. And, and to be honest, I think Corey Connors game has changed a ton uh, since 2018. Um, uh, but Joko is going to dust him out right this week. I have Joko, uh, over Corey Connors at plus 100. Uh, and then my final, uh, head to head for the week is Sung JM over Cameron Tringali at minus 120. Uh, listen, big deal that Tringali had a top 20 last week. Uh, rarely in his career 
does he ever have strong back-to-back weeks? Uh, Tringali did finish 19th here last year and second here in 2015. But other than that, three missed cuts and seven starts at TPC Summerlin. Um, Sung JM, different story. He follows good start after good start. Um, He's had two top 20 finishes here in two appearances. Um, A lot of juice that we're taking with this one, but I love Sung JM over Cameron Tringali at minus 120 in my final um, head-to-head ticket. So just reviewing mine real quick, my head-to-heads. We have Brooks Kepka over Webb Simpson at plus 100. We have Joko Neiman over Corey Connors at plus 100. And then Sung JM over Cameron Tringali at minus 120. Nice. I like those. Well, those are nice. All right, moving into mine, my head-to-heads. I have Will Zalatoris over Webb Simpson plus 100. And I just am looking at, it doesn't, you know, course history is great. Yes, Webb has done well here in the past. But it's one of those things where, you know, if you're not hitting it well, it doesn't matter what golf course you're playing, you're not going to play well. And Zalatoris has just been so consistent all year, uh, all season. And like we talked about starting this year with two top 20s here. Um, And I just don't think Webb has really been driving it well enough. Like at the Fortinet Championship, he hit 50% of the fairways and was able to scramble his way to a decent finish. So the first one is Will Zalatoris over Webb Simpson plus 100. And that's just more about the number. I, just the fact that I'm getting money on a guy like Zalatoris, who's been so consistent and Webb, who they're going mostly based off of uh, last name and, uh, and uh, uh, course history. So moving to my next one, I have Maverick McNeely over Matthew Wolf minus 120. As we always talk about with this podcast, Matthew Wolf is obviously a roller coaster. Last week, you know, he did have, I believe he finished tied 17th, but it was a little bit, you know, he, he actually, uh, he did a press conference where he talked about um, he's being a little less hard on himself and he's in a better place mentally. That's all well and good, but he only hit 37% of the fairways last week. So it was a bit of a fluky uh, top 20 for Matt Wolf. You're going to have to be a lot more accurate off the tee this week. And I just don't know if you can do it. Um, Meanwhile, when you go the other way, you're looking at Maverick. Uh, he's a significantly straighter driver of the golf ball than Matt Wolf, And this could be a bet that cashes pretty early in the week, just given off the fact that, you know, Matthew Wolf either kind of he's an all or nothing guy. So he might miss the cut and he might uh, he might, uh, you know, win the tournament. Who the hell knows? But and then moving into my last thing is uh, Maverick McNeely had the uh, tied second or had the solo second at the Fortnite championship. So Ma- uh, Maverick is showing even better recent form than than Matt Wolf. So for my second head to head, it's Maverick McNeely over Matthew Wolf minus 120. And then for my last one, I have Brian Harmon over Charlie Har- Hoffman minus 105. Like we talk about the golf course, got to put it in position. Brian Harmon's one of the most accurate drivers on tour. Just going off recency bias here, Charlie Hoffman finished dead last in fairway percentage last week at the Sanderson Farms, hitting 32% of them. So, yes, Charlie Hoffman went to UNLV. Yes, he's played TPC Summerlin a lot, but sometimes it's about hitting targets. And uh, 32% of the fairways is not, is not often enough. Um, even looking at Charlie Hoffman, he's missed cuts in two of his last four starts here. So it's not like he has great course history to go off. So the fact that I'm getting at them at somewhat even numbers is a, uh, is a nice thing here. So, um, just recapping my head to heads, it's Will Zalatoris over Webb Simpson plus 100 Maverick McNeely over Matthew Wolf minus 120 and Brian Harmon over Charlie Hoffman minus 105. And will, I want to add one more thing I kind of saw. 
yes, I was slandering Matthew Wolf, but the one thing I do like is the fact that he's such an inaccurate driver. And both these bets can actually catch. Matthew Wolf for first round leader is 55 to one. And, you know, I might sprinkle a little bit on that. And the, the thing that's funny about Matthew Wolf is he could be opening round leader and he's the type of guy who could be opening round leader and miss cut. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, uh, you know, if you are looking in terms of uh, Thursday, who's going to get off to a hot start, I don't mind Matthew Wolf because if he does have a good way with the drive, a good day with the driver, you know, he has most firepower out there. He could go low for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you on your first point, like regarding Charlie Hoffman and Matthew Wolf getting away with such poor driving last week at a place like Country Club of Jackson. I mean, I was about, you can you can hit it anywhere. Anywhere. I mean, anywhere. So, you know, Hoffman, 39th last week, you know, he had a, he had a terrible round off the tee in the final round, managed a 71. Uh, and Matthew Wolf obviously scrambled around for a, for a top 20, but I definitely see them – if that continues them getting seriously penalized at a, at a course like this, moving into our picks to place, I have two for you uh, this week. Uh, my first one is Will Zalatoris top 20 at minus 110. Um, and really for all the reasons I told you, I liked him in the favorites discussion, uh, much like Scotty Scheffler, you know, Zalatoris continues to creep and creep and creep um, on a PGA tour victory. I'm not saying it's going to happen this week, but, you know, for Zal, I'm confident his great run of golf continues this week based off the improvements that he's made uh, with the putter. Um, that's ultimately the missing piece for Will Zalatoris. He's one of the best young ball strikers on tour. Um, you know, and and if the putter continues to be dialed in, I see him finishing top 20 here. So uh, my first pick um, to place is Will Zalatoris top 20 at minus 110. Uh, my second one, nearly a dark horse here with Kevin Streelman top 20 um, at plus 270. As of late at TPC Summerlin, as far as the last two years, has not had the best results, has struggled on the bent grass greens here. Uh, but when you look over the span of his career, uh, you know, has had some good finishes. Came, you know, came, has, came, has come in second here uh, before, has a couple of top 20 finishes. Um, and, and just based off you know, some very consistent play towards the end of last season. Um, I like him finishing top 20 uh, this week at plus 270. So my two picks to place this week are Will Zalatoris top 20 at minus 110 uh, and Kevin Streelman top 20 at plus 270. Love them. And for my picks to place, I have, uh, you know, it's mostly based off number. And uh, obviously I've talked about him. Uh, Brooks Kepka top 10 plus 225. That number just looks to me like more of a top five number. Um, yes, Brooks, you know, if you're just rolling dice here, you might miss a cut in there, but I think more often he's going to, uh, you know, finish top 10. So getting that at plus 225, I absolutely love. And then for my next guy, it's the Mito movement. It's back. Mito Pereira, top 10 plus 350. Mito is a top 10 machine. He's finished top 10 in four of his last seven starts on tour. We're getting him at plus 350. Absolutely love this number. So far this year he's finished solo second in napa and a 31st at the sanderson so um no sorry third at napa and a and a 31st at the sanderson so mito Pereira top 10 plus 350 it seems like he's every other week finishing in the top 10 so the fact that we can get him at a number like plus 350 you just have to hammer it so uh mito Pereira top 10 plus 350 and then brooks kepka top 10 plus 225 for my picks to place so on to um the dark horse this week. Yes. Um, 
I have Ricky Fowler top 20 at plus 330. Um, okay, arguably the biggest question this offseason is whether uh, you know, Ricky Fowler is done contending in professional golf tournaments, or you know, will he come back? Here's what I love to hear over the over the offseason for Ricky is the news that Ricky is becoming a dad. And we know how this goes with how sentimental and superstitious golfers are. Oh, I'm having a child. So, you know, all of a sudden I have this new perspective on life. I mean, we, we hear it with Rom, we hear it with Sergio, DJ, you name it. Uh, the golfer that is due for his first child is comparable to the sick golfer. Watch out for him. Uh, yep. it, it, you know, it's good for the player. It's good for you. It's good for me. It's terrible news for your bookmaker. Uh, what I love, uh, is the amount of time that rookie Ricky has had, uh, to work on his game. And he has a fairly decent track record here at TPC Summerlin, uh, 25th in 2015, way back when, I mean, not, not like that really matters. And then a fourth place finish in 2018, which is good to see, uh, did miss the cut here in 2020, but was playing pretty much the worst golf of his life at that point in time. Uh, so I think his coming back party starts right here in Vegas. Uh, my dark horse is Ricky Fowler, top 20 plus three thirty. And Ricky pro tip for Vegas, make sure you take the sunglasses off when you're in the casino. I remember when I uh, went to Vegas a couple years ago, I wore the sunglasses for about 48 hours straight and I couldn't see for another 48 hours when I went back into the, into the light. So as we know, um, you know, Ricky converted to this, being a sunglass guy like Kevin Streelman, like a lot of the aging guys out here, Sergio, even a sunglass guy. So, Ricky, if you go to play some craps or hit the slots or something, make sure you throw the shades off. So moving into my dark horse, I have a familiar face, Taylor Moore, 100 to 1. Like we talked about, we have a, uh, you know, a track record a little bit at this golf course of producing, you know, some first time winners and some long shots. Taylor Moore is a former Arkansas teammate of mine. Uh, last week at Sanderson, he averaged 310 yards off the tee and hit 75% of the fairways and route to a 17th place finish. So really playing well. Um, he picked up strokes in every category last week at the Sanderson. And, you know, overall, he's just a really good golfer. He finished fourth on the Corn Ferry Tour money list, notching a win. So obviously nice to get in the winning uh, winner circle if it you know, comes down the stretch on Sunday. It's, you know, whether it's a corn fairy event or a mini tour event it's nice to uh you know have some good vibes going into the, the last couple holes if he, if he if he does get in contention but uh i think there's a little bit of value like we talked about um in napa you know maybe not their first start on tour you know that might be a little bit of a uh oh my god you know there's actually tons of fans out here kind of thing but i think you can you know take advantage of um, a couple of these corn fairy guys who are obviously incredible players kind of getting their bearings and Vegas doesn't really respect them that much in their first couple starts. So this will be Taylor's third start of the year now. So I do love uh, Taylor Moore, 100 to one. Let's go. I, I love that find uh, as far as the fairway percentage for last week. That's huge. I feel like going yeah. into this event, like and we've 310, talked 310. So it's not yeah. like he's just like hitting singers out there. Like no. he's driving it great. So yeah, no, the um, big dog is out of the bag. For sure. For sure. On to, so, yeah. On to, um, or any, anything else there, Lud? No, that's it. Let's okay. move into our picks. Perfect. Perfect. Uh, my pick to win uh, this week is Patrick Reed at 40 to one. And there is no one coming into this field, coming to Vegas, more pissed off and ready to win than the team of Patrick and Justine Reed. I mean, 
We've seen Americans who were left off the Ryder Cup week after week, Billy Horschel in Europe, Sam Burns last week in Jackson, uh, win within weeks of being left off the team. I think Patrick Reed does the same thing here. Um, he's only played Shriners once um, in his career back in 2012. I mean, probably the Nike days for P. Reed finished – well, actually, first time around with Nike, um, yeah. and, and finished twenty second. So, um, has seen at you know, she's ten years ago. But he has seen himself play some good golf around here. Uh, certainly a field pick due to some bad results in, at the end of last season. But let's just be honest. I mean, he seemed slightly worn out uh, towards the end of last season after he got the call late to go represent the United States in the Olympics. Um, fresh Patrick Reed, fresh season. I have Patrick Reed at 40 to one to win this week. You know, I don't mind that pick even, you know, even in taking into account, um, like you talked about, didn't have great results, but the fact that he even teed it up in the tour championship, let alone like played decent, obviously he was starting 10 shots back. So never really had a chance to win, but he definitely held his own after like coming out of the grave. Pretty much. It was pretty impressive for him to uh, play the way he did to have double pneumonia. And to be back the next week, I mean, it's, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, when I had pneumonia, I've had it twice. It put me out for five weeks. Like thinking about playing golf the next week is simply impossible. So, or even uh, like breathing and your chest is rumbling yeah. over the ball. Like good luck. You know yeah. Saying? Yeah. Yeah. The All wheezing, right. the wheezing, it's, I, I don't understand. I mean, I don't understand it. It, it must be the pre-round Coca-Cola vibe. I got to get on that. <laughs> All right. So Patrick Reed, four to one. I love it. Okay, so Ryan, we talked about it earlier. Brooks Kepka, 20 to 1 of the favorites. I think he should be be overwhelming. I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if this thing got bet down to 14 to 1, you know, 15 to 1 kind of range. He's head and shoulders above all the other favorites in terms of pedigree. And uh, you know, I, I like we talked about, I don't think he's gonna party too much. As long as he doesn't, I do love him this week. And then for my next guy, it's Brian Harmon, 55 to 1. Really accurate driver of the golf ball, 25th best putter on tour, does really well at shootout events. Like he has a lot of good results in the, you know, a, a tournament that comes to mind as an absolute shootout would be the John Deere Classic. He has some great results there. Not afraid to take it deep. And he's finished 18th or better in his last three starts here. So for my kind of mid-tier guy, I'm taking Brian Harmon at 55 to 1 and then Brooks Kepka at 20 to 1. Okay, into our DraftKings. Uh, we start fresh here, third event of the season with lead back. So we start fresh. Uh, this week for Shriners, I'm going Will Zalatoris, uh, Sung JM, Patrick Reed, Joakim Neiman, uh, Ricky Fowler, and Harry Higgs. Now, I feel like Harry Higgs, bit of a wild card uh, with his personality going to Vegas. Um, but who knows, maybe some Brooksy vibes as far as, you know, just playing better when you have the casino nearby. Okay. And then for my DraftKings lineup, I have a little top heavy here, Brooks Kepka, Scotty Scheffler, Mito Pereira. And then I'm taking some drivers of the golf ball with Brian Harmon and Doug Gim. And then because I went so top heavy, having to take a very cheap guy here coming off a, uh, Ryder cup. Uh, sorry, assistant captain C. I'm taking Zach Johnson because, as we know, one of the straightest drivers on tour and fifth on tour in putting. So you never know; you could kind of sneak out of sneak out of nowhere there. Yeah, and and on to um, our best bets. Uh, mine cash last week uh, with a Harold Varner top twenty ticket. 
this week I'm going to one of my picks to place. So I'm I'm taking uh, Will Zalatoris at minus one ten uh, for for my best bet of the week. Um, you know, I've, I've emphasized it you know quite a bit on this podcast, but uh, you know the win is looking like it's going to happen. It, you know, he, he, he trends each and every week. Like I said, I love the improvement with the putting. So uh, my best bet for the week is Will's all tours top 20 at minus one ten. Love it. And for my best bet, I have Scotty Scheffler top 10 plus two fifty. Scotty's such a solid player putter. Like we talked about a bit suspect. Sometimes he's outside the top hundred in putting. If he putts great, yes, he can get his first tour win. But the fact that he can have an average putting week and we can get him top 10 at plus 250, giving us that little more wiggle room, absolutely love it. So Scotty Scheffler, top 10, plus 250 for my best bet. All right, and that will do it here on the Golf Preview Podcast on RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Great to have Led back for this episode. Uh, best of luck to everyone with their tickets this week, and we will see you next week. Hey.